Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Knowledge of His will. Not spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking the manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Just like we were praying earlier, when we came to us in the prayer. So that which you need, which you did not even know you needed, will come to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As a fulfillment of God's answer to his, the prayer of his saints. He will supply all your needs, things you did not know you needed. A word will come to address that area in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Alright, let's get into our teaching again for today. Um, Alright, let's start from the book of Matthew chapter 5. We have been speaking about um, the true service of God. That's what we have been looking at for some time. We are still on it. We are going to, like I said when we started, I don't know how long we are going to be on this. There's so much, each day I want to come, a new light. I thought I knew a lot of things I was going to say, but before I, when I want to step up, something new will come, and I know that God wants us to learn that. The book of Matthew chapter 5, let's take that as our text of scripture for today. We know that for verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, not the crowd. He saw the crowd, he moved away from the crowd to the mountains. And the disciples separated themselves from the crowd, and then they came to him. And then he began to teach them. The Bible says in verse 2, he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. I'm jumping now so as to save time to get to exactly where I want. Uh, verse 7, blessed, blessed are the merciful, uh, the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, uh, those who are persecuted. You know, when he finished all of that blessed, blessed, blessed thing, you know, in verse 13, now said, you are the salt of the earth. This is my main text. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? He also said, it is no longer good for, any, uh, for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, he said, you are the light of the world or the light bearers. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But what do they do? They put it on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. For that reason, he says, let your light shine before men so in such a way so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, that's the main text of the teaching that we have for today. Those um, two or three verses from verse 13 to verse um, uh, 15. Well, okay, verse 16. Oh, sorry, quite a number of verses. So from verse 13 to verse 16, those four verses are the main um, verses we are going to use as our main text for today. But let me just revise as is my habit so as to connect us to where we stopped before. We have been looking at the fact that um, there's a true service of God. And at the, this point, we are saying that it is not only those who are in ministry, the way we know ministry, that are serving God. But indeed, the people who are in ministry, they have a grace. Paul said, according to the grace given to me, 
I am saying to every one of you, this is how to handle your graces. Know that you shouldn't think more highly of, of yourself than you ought to think. Now, Paul was operating his own grace. And you see, his grace was directing the grace of other people. What does that tell us? That tells us that the grace of the ministers is to stir up the grace that God has placed over every minister of the gospel. That is, those who preach the word. They are not the ministers alone, primarily. They are the people who stir up the grace that God has placed upon the lives of every one of his children. Which means, if a banker comes to me as a teacher of the word, and I teach, he or she should become better in banking. If um, an engineer comes to me as a teacher of the word, and I teach, he or she goes back and becomes a better engineer. If a mother comes to me and I teach, that mother becomes a better mother than she was before she came. If a wife comes to me and I teach, she becomes a better wife. A husband becomes a better husband. Now, it is being a good wife, being a good husband, being a good teacher, being a good engineer, that is actually the work of the ministry. That was all Paul said when he said that we are perfecting the saints for the work of ministry. And it's so important we understand that, that the kingdom of God is going to be established, not by preachers, but by everybody who's out there establishing the kingdom of God wherever he or she is placed. Well, I don't know whether we read it, but we saw from that First Corinthians uh, Chronicles chapter 10. Let's just look at that. I think it's a very good scripture to read. Did I say chapter 10? Of course, I was wrong. It's chapter 11. All right, so if we go to that First Chronicles chapter 11, you will see a lot of people were described there. We don't have time to read, of course. quite a long read. Now, if you see something, what I want to bring out from here is that if you read from um, chapter 10, you see when Saul died and all of that. And from verse 1 of chapter 11, then all Israel gathered at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. It describes the fact that in times past, David had been doing the function of king even in their lives. So in verse 3, the Bible says, All the elders came to the king at Hebron, and David made a covenant with them. Now, the fact that you want to be king is one issue. The fact that some people want you to be king is another issue. Whether you can actually become king is a different matter. So what God does when he wants to make you king, you see in verse 4, the Bible described the people, what happened, um, sorry, from verse um, 10. The Bible said, now these are the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who gave him strong support in his kingdom, together with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Now, I now began to describe them. We talk about the mighty men of David. There are a lot of them. They won't talk about them. We saw their mighty exploits. But what I want to bring out is the fact that they had one purpose in mind. That's to make David king. Now, what, we are, what are we saying? That how Jesus is going to become king is when you and I go out as his soldiers, as when you and I go out as the people of his kingdom, and we start establishing his kingdom in different places. I'll talk about it in a moment. Look, because I had to think about our country again. All right, I was discussing with Israel and Okemote and Co. during the week, all right, and my wife, that listen, there are things that must be done. Otherwise, Nigeria, <laughs> we have a real problem. Are you getting my point? And I'll explain it as we're, going on, as we're going on now. We must do our duty. We must establish ourselves in the responsibilities that God has given to us. We are not just going to pray alone and expect things to just turn around. And you see that as I go on, I'm going to try and explain that. It's not just prayer. What happens is that when God, when we are prayed and God wants to pour forth a blessing, there must be a people that can receive the blessing that he's pouring forth. Otherwise, the blessing will bounce back to him. Are you getting my point here? 
If God, listen, Jesus said something. He said, he sent out his disciples. He said, when you get to a house, say to them, peace be upon this home. Now, peace, as far as God is concerned, is not just a state of being. Peace is a spiritual force. It's a tangible substance. If it goes into a house, it will drive away trouble from there so that it can stay. Peace cannot be in a house and trouble will stay there. Are you getting my point? Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the tangible force that God sends into your life to enforce his order in your life. That is, if there's trouble in a house, if God comes and says, peace upon this house, something comes in and begins to drive away demonic oppression. Something comes in and begins to drive away sicknesses. Something comes in. That thing that comes in is called the peace of God. It's a spiritual substance. How do I know that? Because Jesus said that if a man of peace is there, your peace will stay there. But if he's not there, your peace will return to you. It shows to you, therefore, that it's a spiritual substance that can move. It can get somewhere. It can be received. It can be collected. It can be used. And if it is not received, it goes back. Now, I use that one to just explain a point here. That God can send blessing and that blessing finds nowhere to stay. So you can pray from now till tomorrow. And the Lord answers every one of the prayers. Now the number of things. One, it took Daniel 21 days for his angel to arrive. Why did that happen? Is a question. That when blessing gets to where it's supposed to be, will it stay? It's another issue. It's another issue. What am I going to say here? So listen, it is important that each one of us, children of God, we do what we are supposed to do. Otherwise, God may pour his blessing into a nation we are praying for, and the blessing just bounces back. Let me stay on that. It's very important. Because just before I came up here now, I began to think about the attitude of Nigerians again. Are you getting my point? And I said, listen, these people, I'm not talking about you, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about the country as a whole. The typical person cannot hold the blessing of God. They can't hold it. They don't love the nation enough for the nation to prosper under their watch. They don't. Listen, they don't. And how do, what do I mean by many people can't generally as a nation receive the blessing? It's our attitude. It's the attitude of the leaders. It's the attitude of the... And listen, I don't mean that I'm not those who point fingers at Astro Rock and that Independence, um, um, what do you call it? Presidential Road in Enugu here. And so... What, what, so Alright, so I'm not pointing at Lion Building Enugu. No, I don't believe in all of that, okay? I believe that the people get the kind of leaders, alright, that they deserve. That's what they get. Alright, from amongst them, a leader is picked for them. That's just the way it is. So I'm not pointing fingers. But when some of us are elevated into leadership, we see what is inside the heart of the people. You will now see that these are not people that can hold a blessing. One of the things I found out, which is very common in our country today, is that an average person thinks it's a country to be milked, collect your portion, and go and enjoy it somewhere else. We are all trying, generally speaking, I'm not saying you, I'm not talking about me, but generally speaking, as a people, we have this habit of milking the, the cow, milking the system. We try our best so that the prosperity that God gave us over the last 10 years, thereabout, if you see the way we applied it, God said, listen, no, even if I'm blessing people constantly, they can't continue like this and the prosperity will stay. They can't. What happens is that this is how we pray generally as Christians, this, uh, as a nation, as people, not as Christians now, as people in the country. We need and say, God, Lord, God, give us peace in Nigeria so I can get money out of it. But you want to pour your blessing, please pour it upon America. An average Nigerian wishes America more good than he does his own nation. What I've told is a matter of fact. You see, you must understand that in life you call things to be by faith. Many of the times, listen, and you'll see so that you won't be afraid. I'll tell you something in a moment. Many of the times what we do is that 
we can pray. Prayer is not what gets you things. You must understand. The Bible says faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. What does that tell you? Hope does not mean you have a wish. Hope doesn't mean you have a wish. Hope is an expectation. Are you getting my point? So faith is working when you have an expectation. If you don't have an expectation, they forget you don't have faith. I hope you're getting my point here. That is, if you claim to have faith, what are you expecting? If you are not expecting, let me say, look, let me say straight. You, t- you see people, they are poor, they don't have money, as poor now, not as if they are so rich, they are struggling to gather things together. But they'll say, my wife is pregnant, she has to deliver. Then they struggle to gather money so the baby can be born in America. For what? No expectation. I don't know whether I get my point. There is no expectation. People like when you are praying and praying and praying, the fact is your heart is not where you claim that your prayer is going to. It's not there. 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 So no matter how much you claim you are praying, what is actually happening is that you are not putting the spiritual force to bring that blessing into that area. That was why when God spoke to Isaac, he said, so in the land, so there. When Isaac sowed in the land, the Lord blessed him inside there. I hope you're getting my point here. Listen, that's the problem. Many times God wants to bless people. You hear me say it again and again. There are times I look at God, all right, in quotes now, in quotes. And I, when I say people laugh, I say, and I start feeling sorry for him. If it's possible to feel sorry for him, all right? I start feeling sorry. What do I mean? That people make him look like he's unfaithful. People make him look like he does not know what he's doing. They claim they are praying, but he's not answering the prayers. Why is he not answering the prayer? God says, if you come, you sit down beside me. Look, if you were God, can you answer this? That's what the Bible calls double-mindedness. They're asking for one thing, but their expectations are for another thing. This is the good side of it. Let me quickly explain that. This is the good side. God does not require 100% of the people to behave in a particular way for him to pour his blessings. He doesn't, he doesn't respect that. That's the good side. He, that's the good side of it. He doesn't even expect 50%. He does not even expect 10%. That's the good side. What percentage does he expect? I don't know for sure. But one thing I know for certain is that he does not expect the unbeliever to behave in a particular way. He says, in the nation have planted my people. They are the ones that I'm talking to. If those people who are called by my name, if they will do what is right, they will be amazed at the kind of blessing I can pour upon them and throw them into the nation where they live. That's why I call them the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's it. That is, if I want to establish, it's very important. You see, for God to bring forth the things that he wants to do, oh God, like I said, many things I have to say. They need to do, now please notice the word, do what is right. Because when when a curse wants to alight, the people start doing what is wrong. And when God wants to pour a blessing, they start doing what is right. You see, the ability to do what is right, and the ability to identify what is right to do is one of the first signs that God's blessing is coming to a people. Now, I was saying something earlier. So, this is what God does when he wants to bless a nation, when he wants to bless the earth. He, first of all, sends his people out, we're saying, just like David's men, they are the ones that will establish him as king in every area. Now, what we've been talking about, which is where I try to start this review from, is the fact that it's not just preachers that are doing the work of ministry, and the work of ministry is not just preaching. 
It is not, I'm not saying, when I say it's not only preachers that do work of ministry now, I, I don't mean that you go to a school, a, a teacher in a secondary school, in a university, in a primary school, they can also preach from their platform. That's not what I mean. Preaching is important, but that is not what I'm talking about. I'm saying the art of standing there and communicating scientific truth to young people is ministry. Standing there, are you getting my point? And teaching children is ministry. Standing there, all right, and being a policeman is ministry. Standing there and, and dressing people up is ministry. Being a, um, um, uh, being a contractor, constructing roads is ministry. In every aspect of life, Jesus must be established as king. You see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? Now, so what God does, we said this last time, this is what we said last time. What he does is that anywhere he wants to come into, anywhere he wants to pour a blessing, Anyone, anywhere he wants to manifest himself, anywhere he wants his grace to flow into, anywhere he wants to turn the things that were bad into good, what does he do? He sends them ahead. We discussed the last time. Luke chapter 10 in verse 1. We saw that he took them two by two and sent them to every place that he himself was going to come into. That's what he does. He sends people out. and says, okay, go in there. If you are not there, my blessing cannot come there. If I want to pour my blessing, the first thing I do is to send you in there. So being in there, being a politician, being a policeman, being a customs officer, being a teacher, being a mother, being a businessman, being an investor, you are not there because you want to make money or make a name for yourself. You are there because you want the Lord to be able to come inside there. If you are not there, he can't enter. He can't enter. We have established that. So, listen, this teaching is just to reorient the minds of Christians. So, listen now, it's no longer about which one is paying better. It is where am I supposed to drag the life of God into? It's not which one can I make more money from. It is where can I pour, where can God pour his grace and his blessing into through me? How do you know that? We said last time, when you find yourself there, occupy until he comes. You find a gift in your hands, stay there and be using it. Stay there and be using it. You are not just there, alright, to earn an income. You are not just there to be a good Christian. You are there that without your presence, God can come in there. Listen, that's ministry. That is ministry. I was saying something earlier. Let me get back to it, alright? Very important. You know, I, I, I was saying that I thought about the country again. Let me just establish this. We discussed this on, is it on Tuesdays, talking about blessing. Now, you can disagree with me about this a bit, but not much. I have reasoned about it. When looking about race, a race of people, race, races of people, generally, I have read my scriptures up and down. I didn't see any blessing that God left anywhere for black people. I'm sorry, oh. let me say it again. It is not a joke. It's, it's not by accident. That, you know, people get angry that white man came to impoverish the country. I have reasoned and reasoned. I said it's a fat lie. They never did that. The fact that they came is the reason why things developed. They came and poured a blessing inside the place. How do I know? Because you see enclaves of people that did not, they did not reach. Those ones never went anywhere. So who plundered them? Go to where these men did not reach. Now, you see something in a moment. Those guys are wicked to themselves. They did not develop. They did not. Forget all these noise they make about reparations. White man came to plunder Africa. I laugh about it. Plunder with Africa. Where, where were you when he arrived? 
Did you have boats crossing the Atlantic when he had? Which development did you have? But that's not my message. My message is not about that. My message is about this. That God said, forget those things that have passed away. They've gone. And listen, he never, he never at any point revoked the curse that um, Noah placed upon, placed upon him and his descendants. He never did that. The curse is working all the time. It's destroying things. Sometimes what we call fruitful land. The land is rich. You see gross trees and gross all kinds of things, right? But go and check it. It's also a curse. It grows weeds faster than crops. <laughs> you see trees massive. They sank roots everywhere. A harvester can't drive over them. You see, this land is rich. But they said it won't yield its increase for you. Tons and tissues. Tons and tissues are feeding on the nutrients of the land. You know, one day, the Lord is good. Though. I drove with a friend of mine. This was in Houston. We were looking for something. So we went to the, like the outer part of the city. So I said, what is this? He said, it's forest. I said, this is normal forest. Did they plant these trees? That is how trees are normally. I said, it means this land was fine before these guys. Do you get trees growing <laughs> properly, straight, you know, in an orderly fashion. So they could easily, <laughs> that is, you buy empty land. By the time you break the trees down, you, you, you knock the trees down, they are straight. They can be made into houses. Did you see the way around they grow? <laughs> you see contour. Build with this one first. I said, hey. I said, I mean, this, that means this place was fine. Before men even did anything. A land can be blessed. That's, that's what I'm going to make. Nobody cultivating it, but it grows in, in order. So when you come to cultivate, it's easy to clear. Don't be depressed. You'll see where I'm going. <laughs> Why did God not bother to remove the, the curse that Noah placed on him and his descendants? It's a very simple reason. Because he brought a blessing that's superior to every other thing. Are you getting my point here? What did he do? He brought a blessing in Christ. So what did he do? He said, anyone who's tired of this curse, come into Christ. Don't be fighting me that I should revoke this curse. Why should I? I have brought you something superior to it. You see where I'm going. For that reason, the only hope, back to our nation, that a land like ours has, the only hope that this continent has, the only hope it has is that the sons of God who are in Christ will manifest the life of God that is inside them. There is no other hope. If we don't do it, better run. Because I've thought about it. I can't find any other, any other source of blessing. I can't find. Naturally, the people are not blessed. They are not. The only pl- think about it, oh, at the end, if I'm wrong, come and talk to me and show me, give me facts and figures. The only, listen, when you see black men gather, the only place where you have seen development is where the white people got to. Was it here I was teaching or in Lockridge? I explained to them. There was a time the black men said, no, we'll kill all the white men that lost over us. They killed up all their masters. That was in Haiti. Haiti was a slave colony. Sugar game plantation. The slaves got wise. They killed all the masters. What did, what did they arrive at? One of the poorest countries on the earth till today. 
What happened at the end of the day? Nothing. They reinstituted their own religion. What came out of it? Voodooism. Zombieism. Please, I, don't, I hate hearing this rubbish of our culture. Nonsense culture that didn't build a car. Rubbish culture that produced nothing. I want to be guarding it jealously. In 2016, adults will still be carrying masquerade and running up and down. In 2016. That's it. That's our culture. Culture, rubbish culture. Listen. <laughs> they said, culture is a cloak of religion. Your culture is a product of what you worshipped. Don't do many any funny dances with funny colors and mirrors and people spinning in the dark. They are doing that walk away from there. Say, so don't remind me of idol worship. All things have passed away. This is the reason why people are not blessed. You can't merge Christianity with those things. So you can't. You just cannot. What am I going to emphasize? Listen. Our text of scripture is what? You are the light of the world. So when God wants to pour a blessing, this is what he says. Each one of you, go in, and you are working for me when you make it a matter of your life mission, your life goal. To walk in righteousness, manifest the life of Christ that is in you, and let your environment feel it. Because that is the only hope. That is the only hope. You know, I was saying earlier, this is very important. When there's a curse upon people, this curse does one thing to them. It makes them behave foolishly. That's what it does. You know, there's a way the Lord did this life. If he says to a man, I will curse you, and a blessing will not endure in your house, and poverty will come to you, don't expect thunder and lightning to destroy his money. It may happen, but it's not often. You know what normally happens? Foolishness comes into his life. And that foolishness is always based on his wrong character. Always. God never manufactures bad habits for him. No, no, he doesn't. When he spoke against a house of, um, uh, what's our guy's name? Solomon. You know what happened? Rehoboam, Rehoboam may have had other brothers who were smarter than him, who were wiser than him, who were more godly than him. God said, no, they would not become king. And somebody will say, why? Simply because if they become king, they will have too much sense. I can't split the nation like I planned to. He said, so what do we do? He said, make Rehoboam king. He said, why? He said, he's a stupid boy. God did not make him stupid. He was stupid from the beginning. God just used his foolishness to establish the curse that he placed upon the household. So you know what happened to Rehoboam? Rehoboam was there. The elders gathered. And they said, your father in his last days, what he did was terrible. What you will do, and we will serve you, is that you will lighten our load, you will do things that are right. They told him everything. You know the story. Let me not bore you with it. Rehoboam decided to go and listen to, to young people, his age mates, who were saying, this is our time. These elders have finished ruling. We are now in power. <laughs> that, that was their own. 
So when they say lighten our load, it was taxes. Listen, Rehoboam, you lighten the load. How much money will the boys get when you put them in authority? Your kingdom will not become larger. Tell them, and they, because you are young, don't mind those men. God knew it to happen. And that was how the kingdom split from Rehoboam. That's how life is. When Absalom, you know, I was reading the story of Absalom today. <laughs> when Absalom decided to revolt against his father, the same principle you saw. When his revolt was going to fail, one simple thing happened to Absalom. We know the rest of the story again. It's something we all know. For those who don't know, we can go and read the story in 2 Samuel chapter 17. Ahitophel was a man who understood the precepts of life. He understood the order of life so much that when David heard that Ahitophel had joined Absalom, it became a prayer point. He said, God, turn the counsel of Ahitophel to foolishness. But like I told you, God doesn't manufacture things out of nowhere like that. The gifts and callings of God, they are without repentance. So Ahitophel was wise, he was wise. Nothing anybody was going to do about it. So God said, what do I do? He said, there's no problem. Ahitophel may be wise. Absalom is foolish. So he just arranged in such a manner that Absalom did not listen to Ahitophel. That's all he did. When a curse wants to manifest, that's the point I'm making. When he wants to manifest, he starts telling people, do what is wrong. That's how he manifests. Ahitophel was so right, and he knew he was so right. Once they did not take his counsel, he knew the revolt was over. He knew they had lost the battle. He knew there was no way David was not coming back. He went back home and quickly put his house in order, hung himself, and he died. My emphasis is that for the revolt to fail, God just removed sense from who? Absalom. He, look, the boy was foolish. And God knew, listen, the guy won't listen to sound counsel. Let us assume he had listened to that counsel. The Lord will have had to use another method to preserve the life of David. Please, I hope you are following my point here. You now say, what are you talking about? I'll tell you. It means, therefore, now we're talking about our nation. We're talking about Africa as a continent. Please, let me quickly digress. Forget this pointing of fingers. Why we are under is because white man came and plundered us. Don't believe it again. Don't believe it again. When we began to prosper, we stole our money and went and donated to them. So let's forget all of those things. Till now, if they say this is made in the U.S., this is made in Nigeria, an average African man's mind buys the American one first. The American man will not buy another one if he had an option. You have to undercut his locally made price or make the, superior, the, the quality so high for him to look at you. Please, let's forget this finger-pointing thing. Let's forget it. Let's forget that thing entirely. Now, I'm going somewhere. So, you find out that when you find a nation like that, you find a continent like that, and we say there's a curse. We don't mean they'll just be going on the road, and they won't know what happened. Lightning will just from, from somewhere, boom, everybody will just die. No, even, listen, if God passes a curse upon the people, maybe to bring natural disasters and all of that, that curse usually finds it hard to cross generations. What I mean is that if this particular generation is cursed, they had um, locust and, um, and uh, what do you call it, and hail and all those things upon them, when they die off, their curses usually will follow them. The only problem is this. The next generation 
will they continue in the deeds of the previous generation or they will not? If they continue in the deeds of the previous generations, then they download those curses again. That is the way it works. If, listen, sometimes uh, God has promised. Listen, when God promises, and, and uh, negatively now, and you don't do what is wrong, that negative promise doesn't come to pass. Abiata was a priest, a descendant of Eli. With, I will wipe out from your generation. Hmm? That was before Saul. Before the birth of Samuel. When Samuel was born as a little boy, he served there. Years later, he became an old man. He became an old man before Saul entered into office. Saul reigned for a long time before David took over. David was old. Abiata was still priest. Until one day, he joined a conspiracy against Solomon. That was it. Can you, can you see how far? The curse could not wipe out the whole lineage of Eli from priesthood as long as they behave themselves. Then one day, Abiathar joined a conspiracy against Solomon. We will not analyze it now. If you don't read in between the lines, you won't know why Solomon dealt harshly with those people. They were conspiring to unseat him. The choice of God. The choice of David. So when Solomon looked at him, because you served my father, because during the conspiracy of Absalom, he was with David. He said, because you served my father, and you suffered when my, suffered, my father suffered, I won't kill you. He retired him and went back home. And the Bible says that he might be fulfilled the word of the Lord that came to Shiloh. How many years before? If Abiathar didn't join that conspiracy, he would have died in peace. His children would continue as priests. So when a curse is hanging, people need to connect to. It's click to download. If you don't click to download, you are free. A blessing is also like that. God promises a blessing. It has, even if he doesn't say it, there are conditions inside it. Those conditions, you know our best example here, Genesis chapter 18. In verse 19, he said, righteousness and justice must be lent by the descendants of Abraham. Otherwise, everything that God promised, they will never see. I'm going somewhere. So when it comes for, remember I said that, forget all these, these African nations, these countries, continent, they don't have any blessing. They don't have any inherent blessing. I mean what I'm saying. Apart from the general covenant of God, seed time and harvest are not seeds. Eh, they will have seed time and harvest. Harvest, let's, let's see now. But those blessings that caused men to prosper, they didn't have. All that sustained them were simple words like be fruitful and multiply. So they were just being fruitful. They were multiplying. Then they were dying. Then they would have more children again. Then they would die again. So that the race would just be kept there. But the real blessing, this is my summary, only came, see, it only came because Jesus came. When Jesus came, he wiped away slavery. When he came, he wiped away lack of productivity. This curse that says that the earth will not yield its increase, he wiped it away. All these curses that say well, one which is a thousand and two, he wiped all of them away. And he said, even though they said to you, a servant of servants you will be, he said, not anymore. It's a spiritual blessing. We have all been blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now, this is where I'm going. For it to manifest the same thing. 
we start that blessing starts producing the knowledge of right. It starts listen, it starts teaching us how to deal with each other. I hope you're getting you're getting my, my principle here. Like my wife was he said you were telling me a few days ago that you and Yinka went somewhere and they were talking about something. And Yinka quoted the scripture, told somebody that a liberal soul shall be made fat. And they were talking about business. Oh. How one particular business person doesn't like to share, wants to collect everything. And Yinka said, that's why such people don't really go far. Why? Because the Bible says, a liberal soul shall be made fat. What does that tell you? Why didn't African men develop strong medicine? Because every leaf he knew, he cared for himself and his children. So when he dies suddenly, the cure for that ailment died with him. But you went to those who were blessed. They had schools. They taught. Till today, doctors still refer to Hippocratic oath. There was a physician called Hippocrates. And he would talk about his students. How to handle students. Men taught. So knowledge multiplied in generations. Are you getting my point? Nobody was born one day great. God deposits a bit of knowledge in one generation. The next generation multiplies it. But they can't if they don't understand the simple principle of liberality. A liberal soul is made fat. So listen, when we're talking about the curse, it's not as if the curse, we don't know where, what it came from. No. It becomes spiritual repercussions for behaviors on a daily basis. Men are jealous of each other. They don't want your neighbor to prosper. Like somebody said, Polish capitalism is <laughs> a joke. They said the difference between American capitalism and Polish capitalism is that if you have 50 goods and your neighbor has 100, and you're an American man, you pray, God, bless me, make my goods 100. They are, you, you want to be equal with your neighbor, but one man will pray, say, God, increase me, give me 100 goods. The other one say, God, make me equal with my neighbor, kill 50 of his own. <laughs> These are spiritual traits that keep men in bondage. Are you getting my point? When light comes, when the blessing comes through Christ, that's what I'm talking about. You now say to the people of God, they say, you go, go and do business and please, under no circumstances, should you follow their ways. This first sign of a blessing is that you start understanding spiritual truths concerning what they are doing. That begins to manifest as practical wisdom concerning what you do. There are business decisions you will not make, all right? Simply because you understand spiritual truth. <laughs> Let me give you a very simple example. The one that's going on right now, pyramid schemes. They are all over the place now. It's a season. The cycles is in like about 20 year cycle. The last I knew, when it was all over the place, like 1991, 93, thereabout. Between 19. 89 to 93. Then they all died off. They didn't really resurrect much since that time until now. Alright? Now, this is what I'm going to. Many people, because of foolishness, and go and see it, it's pure, it's pure selfishness. The Bible says clearly, Scripture just tells us straight that anyone that wants to be in a hurry to become rich will end up poor. It's a spiritual truth. <laughs> 
said, don't be in a haste to acquire wealth. He said, that wealth, people think that money is whether you have it or you don't have it. No, money is the ability to hold it. So if I give a man who does not have the ability to hold 10 billion, and I give it to him one day, two things are guaranteed to happen. One, he will run mental. Two, he will be poor after one year. Guaranteed to happen. You know, God is good. God will just send him a thief. The Lord has made everything for a purpose. Even a thief for his role in the day of collecting the money back. They just go to him and say, Oh God, that's your one billion. We can make it ten billion for you. He won't be. He was poor before they gave him one billion. And now we can make it ten. He said, Are you serious? Yes, just give it to us. They'll just collect it like this. Wave the guy bye bye and walk away. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Desire to become suddenly rich is one of the things that entrench people in poverty. The spiritual trait, it manifests in wrong business choices. It won't be patient. I'm going somewhere. And where I'm going is talk, to talk about the blessing. So when God wants to establish a blessing, he said, these guys, these people are out of the, they have, like we declare every time, we have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. You are getting my point. Now, those things are there. Those things are happening. Are you getting my point? These are real spiritual truths. When those things are going to become manifested, this is what happens. The man suddenly, the woman suddenly is calmer. Starts making better business choices. He's not in a hurry. She's not in a hurry. People make money in one year, two. They are suddenly multi-millionaires. Then they are poor by the third and fourth year. No, it takes him ten years to build wealth. In that period, he builds character. He builds knowledge. He builds institutions. He builds structures. In 20 years, he's built a structure and he has taught his children and they keep on getting richer generation after generation. Are you getting my point here? God's blessing doesn't just make a man who knew nothing today rich tomorrow. He doesn't do that. Even Jesus did not do it. Prove that you are the one. The blind see the lame walk. The dead are raised. He said, but the poor, mm, we preach the gospel to them. We give them money, they go go mad. He said, the poor, we preach the gospel to them. Then the gospel starts transforming them. It doesn't mean he will live in poor. That's not, it's not as if Jesus enjoyed people being poor. No, 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 he didn't enjoy that. His ministry was not, it was not sponsored by poor people. He never took offering at crusade. The only time he took offering as a crusade was to multiply it for everybody to eat. The boy that had them. Um, okay, and the fish and the loaves. Which one is two? Which one is five? Certainly <laughs> <Saturday> later. <laughs> you are getting my point here. So it's not as if he enjoyed people being poor. You know, he didn't enjoy it. But he said the poor have the gospel preached to them. What does it mean? Listen, I need to transform him from inside before he can handle wealth outside. If I don't transform him from inside, he cannot handle wealth outside. That's the principle. I'm talking about the true service of God. That's where I'm going. Now. So you look around, there's poverty. God said this is spiritual reason. It's a spiritual reason. It's not because of your leaders. They are a product of the spiritual reason. It's not because of your political system. That political system is a product of the spiritual reason. The real reason is spiritual. Now, those of you who have been delivered from that bondage into freedom, you now have a responsibility. One, listen to this. Oh. 
One, you must download the knowledge of that which is right to do. There are two sides to it. One, by virtue of the fact that you are in the light, you have some spiritual traits that come with being a Christ person. Let me give you a few examples. It doesn't matter to you if your neighbor is richer than you or he's not. Are you getting my point here? If you can contribute to your neighbor's wealth, why not become rich yourself? It doesn't bother you. You have the attribute of poor in which all this your labor, what is it for? At least that man is getting richer. Say, how is he blessing you? Say, if he gets richer now, all the problems in that area, maybe he will take it away. Say, what about you? My time will come. Listen, that thing may sound simple, but that's Christian thinking. Somebody with the life of Christ in him, in her, doesn't care. Look, maybe Jacob, you walk in the house of Laban. You take pride in the fact that Laban is richer because of my presence. What about you? God will say to me at the right time. That's what I mean by spiritual traits. You suddenly have this attitude that, listen, even if I'm not known outside, if from behind where I am, I can be influential enough to make things progress, then I walk away without ever being recognized. These are spiritual traits. But beyond that, you start learning what is right to do. One thing I quote all the time, Henry Ford made a statement. And believe me, I don't know, there may have been men before him. There may have been men that tried it, but at least he's the one that made the thing you know, popular. The concept of warranties. You buy a car now, in fact, the standard warranties in most part of the world for cars now is five years. It's five years now standard. Most parts of the world. In fact, even in Nigeria, I remember then, um, uh, uh, Kia and Hyundai, they are top-level SUVs. They gave you five years unlimited mileage warranty. Which means if any part spoils, just, I didn't say drive into the river and say, sorry, my car fell into the ocean. <laughs> That's not what I mean. <laughs> you are driving, your AC is not cooling again. They go and find out that the compressor is dead. You drive it back to them. They look at it. They yank that one up, off and put a new one at their own cost. Why am I talking about it? So it's become standard and everybody does it now. It's normal now in advanced parts of the world. But when Henry Ford started it, who was doing it? But Henry Ford said something, which is why I'm quoting it. He said, now listen to Diesel. He said the success of the Ford Motor Company for him is not about the machines that bear the name Ford. Even though the machines were good, even though the company was successful, he said, but I needed that company, I needed to build that company and make it successful just to demonstrate to people that the way they are doing business is wrong. I don't know whether you get my point. He said, the only thing I wanted to do was to tell them they don't do business like this. His, his, his issue was not about motor cars. It's just that he said, look, why do you make a product and you are hoping it will break down and somebody will be maintaining it and you'll be getting richer. He said, it's not right. He said, if I give you a machine, it bears my name, Ford. So it's bearing my name. And a good name is what I must have. So my machine and my name are the same thing. So my machine is only as good as my name. My name is only as good as my machine. So Henry Ford did not understand why his car should break down. He said, if his car breaks down, it's not your fault, it's my fault. That was why he established service centers. Everywhere. 
He started offering warranty. Say, if it breaks down, bring it back. Now the whole world learned it. That's what I mean by producing righteousness. It's not just about being a man of integrity in your heart. No. Now, how you do business, suddenly, the concept of giving warranties is standard. The man had ideas. Look, read his book, My Life and Work. Look, he had interesting ideas. He would tell you that, look, men come in different, you know, capacities and capabilities. What one man can do, another one can do, they are different. He said, but they all have to work. So what do I do? Make the work simple so that every man can do it. The man will break job down to pieces so that your job, you come to work, carry this, put it here, screw here, screw here, screw here. Turn the screw five times, one, two, three, four, five. five. So if you do that regularly, I make sure you earn enough to take care of yourself, buy a house, buy one of the cars, raise your children. Now, I'm not trying to paint him as a saint. I'm using him as an example of how blessings come. So when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, you're getting my point? What it means is this. The reason why they can be in bondage and things are not working well is because they were under a curse. That is true. But the curse has practical explanations for its manifestations. You will see that this is how they make wrong decisions. This is where things go wrong. They habitually think like this. For that reason, they never make any progress. And that is a manifestation of a curse that was placed upon them. So, how do they start making progress? First, we remove the curse. Then they now have the ability to have sound wisdom. Wisdom now becomes part of them. They can receive wisdom. And Jesus now said, yes, they may be in a nation where everything is wrong, but does it matter? If enough of them will hear this truth and practice the truth, it will permit the environment. It will wipe out every curse that was there before. I hope you're getting my point here. It will wipe out every curse. Now listen to this. That is what I'm trying to teach, to reorient the minds of Christians. That you look at this is my life, I'm talking about to work for God. If I'm working somewhere, before my production unit, we could do 200 of this in a week. You know what the Lord is saying? If you keep on doing 200 of this in a week, <laughs> sorry that I'm laughing. Today, as I was driving out of my house, I was going to get something. So I saw about um, 10 to 15 men wearing just shorts and nothing else, and they were digging. 